0: From India's largest newsroom, I'm Meenal Bagheel, and this is the Times of India podcast. Moscow, the Russian parliament, the Duma, just voted in favor of President Putin's decision to recognize those separatist regions of eastern Ukraine. Hoda, every single Russian lawmaker voted in favor, and after the vote, there was a standing ovation. Lawmakers assessed the president's order. I think it's fair to say in Putin's Russia, that is something of a formality. They're called friendship treaties with the breakaway republics, and they were submitted to Russia's lower house of parliament after Putin's speech last night. Importantly, they include a mutual defense pact, which allows Russia to build military bases on their territory. And they're also now able to send troops openly into these areas. On February 22nd, the world inch closer to the brink of war after Russian president Vladimir Putin asks his lawmakers for permission to deploy Russian troops abroad, paving the way for a broader attack on Ukraine. This follows his move to officially recognise the independence of Donetsk and Luhansk, two provinces that are part of Ukraine. In the West, the move is being seen as a deliberate escalation of the troubles that have been brewing for the past few weeks. Putin is... He is pushing the envelope, of course.
1: And he has his—he uh, has put out his reasons. He's not making a secret of why he's doing it. Uh, he is—he wants—he uh, wants NATO stopped. He wants NATO to declare that it will never take on Ukraine. He wants Ukraine removed, and in fact, he probably will remove in Ukraine, uh, if not from the map, but from—but—but will try and put in a regime that. Um, is friendly to him. Putin has put in place methods, events, developments that will end in a regime change in
0: Ukraine. But what happens in Ukraine no longer remains in Ukraine. On February the 22nd, the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz halted the certification of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. This 1,230-kilometre pipeline that runs from Russia to Germany, is one of the biggest energy conduits to Europe. The German Chancellor's move prompted a snarky tweet from former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev about Europeans having to pay through their noses for energy in the future. Europe, however, further doubled down on Russia when British Prime Minister Boris Johnson imposed sanctions on five Russian banks and froze funds of certain oligarchs in London on Tuesday. In this podcast, I speak with Indrani Bagchi, CEO of the think tank Ananta Center, and Nandan Krishnan, distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation, who has spent several years in Moscow, and asked them to decode the goings-on in the world's biggest hotspot right now. Nandan, Putin stands uh, accused of crossing all red lines in recognizing the independence of contested Ukrainian territories of Donetsk and Luhansk. Now, there are as many as 14 countries which are part of NATO, 14 East European countries. Uh, Why is Ukraine such an emotive issue? What are the historical reasons that Putin and indeed most of Russians feel that Ukraine should be a part of Russia?
2: There are two distinct views on the subject. One is the Western view, and one is the uh, Russian view, as it were. The fact of the matter is that, and this is now increasingly clear from even Western declassified sources, that at the time of uh, German reunification, Western leaders, when they were discussing it with uh, Gorbachev, it really became only possible because that is the dissolution of the Warsaw Pact, and the reunification of Germany became only possible because Gorbachev was reassured by Western leaders that NATO would not expand eastwards. And that is the only thing Mm -hmm. that allowed him to permit West Germany then to continue in NATO. And therefore, when unification took place, the new entity, the United uh, Entity, was going to be part of NATO. But uh, the naive person that Gorbachev was, he uh, did not get this promise put down on a piece of paper. And uh, although Western leaders accept that promises were made, including Mr. Baker, who <laughs> accepts it, and there are there's sufficient evidence to show it, Western leaders today say, well, if there is no paper, there is no promise. What has been happening subsequently is, in waves, NATO kept expanding. First, it was Poland, Czechoslovakia, then uh, uh, the Baltics, and so on and so forth. The Russians have been arguing that since then, that their security concerns required a buffer zone between NATO and their borders. Mm-hmm. And given the breakup, first, of course, the buffer zone was to be Eastern Europe. Uh, but now, of course, after the breakup of the Soviet Union, the assumption was that Georgia, Ukraine, Belarus, these countries would be this thing. At that point, even the Baltics were considered to be uh, non nato However, uh, the West uh, incorporated uh, the Baltics and moved even more eastwards. And in 2008, there was a declaration at the Bucharest Summit of NATO that uh, the NATO alliance would not, I mean, would accept or would at some point, it was a vague promise, accept Georgia and Ukraine into uh, NATO. That of course set the cat amongst the pigeons as it were. Russians were uh, livid, but again, still too weak to respond. You know, so just as they allowed Kosovo to happen, they just did not have the wherewithal. And then uh, you have the situation that the Russians now feel that they have got some... uh, Leverage. Not leverage, that they have come of age. They, as Putin famously says have got up from their knees and are standing on their feet. And the fact that the United States in their calculations is more interested in the Indo-Pacific and does not want to be uh, directly sort of wasting its time uh, or trying to resolve some issue of European security in a country like Ukraine, which is of no value to it. Right? Russia is interested Mm -hmm. in redoing this architecture of security in Europe as a whole. It wants to be a player in that. And it wants to be part of the decision-making process. It also wants to have, in a sense, uh, veto power. In other words, that decisions that take place in Europe based on European security cannot be taken without Russia's consent. In other words, they want a mini UN Security Council in Europe. Right? Now, that is something that uh, the West is resisting.
0: After the Maidan revolution in 2014, when the Russia-backed President of Ukraine was deposed following a popular Western-supported uprising, a fragile peace was brokered by the Minsk Accord. It was meant to regulate the internal problem between the Russian government and these breakaway republics, and it was negotiated between Ukraine the Russian Federation, and the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. However, following recent talks in Paris and Berlin, it's become apparent that the Western powers were not going to pressure Ukraine to keep up its end of the bargain. Injani Bakchi explains how the breakdown of the Minsk Accord has led to further bad blood in the region and what its consequences might be. So today, obviously, Minsk agreements have just been
1: junked. Yes. Uh, there, is, there is no more Minsk agreement anymore. The Russians have, in a sense, um, uh, flouted the Minsk agreements over the years. So has the West. Uh, no, nobody has any moral uh, superiority on this matter. The West has made Ukraine as a kind of a bellwether for its intervention for preserving democracy preserving uh rule of law certain international liberal mm-hmm. rules based order, World order. Mm. yeah exactly after 2013 when uh, basically putin had thought that ukraine was in the bag uh but then the the maidan protests uh happened and Honestly, even the Russians were surprised by the Maidan protests. Um, so, so it's not like Ukraine. And and in these current, in these past months, we have seen a number of reports from European uh, outlets saying, even from Ukrainian outlets, saying that whatever the Ukrainians may or may not have felt, but this Russian pressure has actually helped to unite Ukrainians. Mm. And uh, so it's not like Putin's going to find it easy. So Putin is literally, literally on the brink.
0: His uh, recognition of these two territories of Donetsk and Luhansk, what does it mean? What's next now? So, a couple of things. One uh, possibility
1: is uh, that it, he could trigger a provocation. That would enable his troops to move out of the areas that they currently occupy uh, into areas that are occupied by Ukrainian authorities. That would be a provocation to. Second, as the US has uh, warned that if, you, if he puts armor into uh, the, these territories, if he puts like serious armor into these weapons territories, that would constitute a massive provocation. Third, uh, you could see, I mean, you've already seen a massive cyber attack uh, in Ukraine in the last few days. Uh, You could see uh, more, you could see political destabilization, um, targeted assassinations, uh, and uh, changing, changing of the guard, supposedly internally, but actually external imposed. And more sanctions? Well, if he moves out, he will be hit there. The Russians will be hit by really, really tough sanctions, which will have an impact on everybody, including us.
0: India has so far been circumspect in its response, and it has refrained from criticizing Russia. Next week, External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar is meeting all the Indian ambassadors in Europe, which may lead to a greater clarity on India's stance. My two guests today, however, are divided on how India should play it. Nandan Unikrishnan is of the view that given India's ties with Russia, caution is the best response. Given the fact that three fourths of India's sunflower oil supply comes from Ukraine, given the fact that uh, there are more students, Indian students in Ukraine than there are in Russia, what do you think of India's position well, you know, Meenal,
2: uh, your own question, right? You've re- you've listed all these things on the positive of Ukraine, and there was nothing on the positive that you listed with Russia. And yet we are being balanced. I think we must be unhinged, right? <laughs> but clearly, Mr. Jaishankar is a very, very smart man. It's the Russians who got you to the table with the Chinese when the crisis occurred. It is the Russians who still veto stuff in the Security Council for you. So there are many other things that are tied in with Russia, which are not very simple. Military supplies, of course, are very important. I mean, nobody in the world will give you a nuclear submarine. Uh, Russia is the only country that will provide India with something like that, particularly given that everyone knows that we will use that submarine and its capabilities against only one country. Right, So, uh, given all that, I think uh, India right now uh, needs to hedge its bets and just pray to whatever gods we have that uh, this conflict does not become a hot shooting conflict.
0: Injani Bhakti, on the other hand, feels that sitting on the fence is no longer tenable for India. Well, we have an old relationship with Russia. Um, old relationship with
1: Russia, but it is becoming indefensible. India's position is becoming indefensible, and I do not see how India can maintain this position uh, any longer because the an invasion of a sovereign uh, country by Russia is cannot be countenanced diplomatically or politically by India, uh, not when. India stands itself in a very precarious position vis-a-vis China.
0: And China are they covertly supporting uh, Russia. When Putin visited
1: Xi Jinping in, in Beijing during the Olympics uh, ceremony uh, and and the they actually literally held hands publicly. But I don't think the Chinese would go as far as to again countenance uh, invasion of sovereign territory china is very big on sovereignty and uh, this would be this would be hard for for china so but china doesn't mind at all that russia keeps the americans engaged across in 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 a race far away from their shores because they don't believe that America has the ability anymore to, as Biden says, or as anybody says, or those Americans say to walk and chew gum. Uh, they don't believe they don't, they have the ability. And in fact, it, to, uh, it was to counter that perception that Blinken was in Australia uh, for the Quad uh, Ministerial. It was also, it's to counter that perception that, that the U.S., Hurriedly issued their Indo Pacific strategy paper. Mm. Uh, uh, But China doesn't believe that. Uh, And China's not, uh, if Russia has to be sacrificed, so be it. Um, They do believe, though, um, that US sanctions on Russia and uh, the universe that it will, that uh, the ripple effect that it will have, will. Could uh, make their, a, their um, not only model of governance, but China more attractive to countries in the periphery. The world is actually struggling to wake out, get out of COVID. Everybody's economies are shattered. Yes. Everybody's trying to so your oil prices are high your uh, uh, supplies will become a problem I mean just something very simple sunflower oil and you will have this problem in India as well the biggest producer is Ukraine the second biggest producer is Russia so everybody better get used to cooking in mustard oil So you're already (laughs) used to that (laughs) (laughs) exactly but yeah I would be, if I'm Greece, for instance, and I'm looking around and saying, hello, you have just dumped me. I am nowhere. I find it very hard to be supporting the rules-based order. And because you've cut off supplies from here, there, everywhere. I cannot buy from Russia. I cannot buy from this. So let me make it easy for myself and my citizens. Let me go to the Chinese. And, you know, we'll worry about Indo-Pacific later. We'll worry about the rules-based order later. This is, if the Chinese can pick off a few of these countries, say in the periphery of the ripple effect, let's say, um, you know, they have it. Uh, so then, then because then you are you're saying, where is my freedom to operate? Where is this rules? What is this rules-based order doing for me? I'm much happier making a deal with Xi Jinping making sure that my supplies come in my people don't starve to death. I'm not saying this will happen, I'm saying this could happen. And it uh, so we are entering a very very dark space because we don't know you take if the Americans take Russia for instance Russian banks off the international swift system which is the 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 trans the transit banking transactions happen in this network. We have no idea how this will impact. Let's say Black Seas gets blocked. You're gonna have problems. Let's say that let's say the Russians start cutting uh submarine cables, which apparently they have been doing, and that's impacting the UK. Uh, submarine cables is what uh, runs your entire networks right your internet uh, your uh, everything is run yes. on these yes. cables now let's say they, do, they they start doing that let's you know these are two nuclear superpowers the us and russia still these are two very advanced uh, military systems russia has invested enormously in the last decade to modernize its military um so this is this is going to impact the whole world so and I suspect they know that and that is why we cannot actually countenance what Russia is doing. You cannot because this then opens up to, you know the it will be the sort of wild west of uh, global politics.
0: The UK is sanctioning the following five Russian banks. Rossiya IS Bank General Bank, Promzyaz Bank, and the Black Sea Bank. And we are sanctioning three very high net worth individuals. I asked Nanda Krishnan whether Vladimir Putin's unilateral stance on Ukraine that's pushing the country to war is uncontested in Russia.
2: There is no dictatorship that is not based on the agreement of elites. Nowhere in the world. Hitler could not have come to power if Krupp and Siemens didn't support him. Yes. Uh, Russia's elites are a little bit more layered. You have, of course, a business elite, you have a political elite, and you have a bureaucratic elite. And uh, interestingly, Russia has another level of elites, which I, you know, they have a special word for it. It's called the intelligentsia. That is Educated people, erudite people, experts on various issues, professors in universities, the type who usually are dissidents, you know, or end up being dissidents in authoritarian countries. But in Russia, including the Soviet Union, although they were dissidents, they yes. formed a the significant part of the decision-making elites. Mm. So even though Sakharov was a descendant and he was exiled, they dare not do anything to him, including remove him from the membership of the Communist Party.
0: So you know? even though even though the Russian economy is not doing well, and there may be uh, domestic problems, but you think by and large, Putin has the support of the Russian people when it comes to Ukraine.
2: One is misconception about Russian economy not doing well, right? Uh, The Russian economy is doing as well as any economy that's coming out of COVID. Uh, The Russians have been hit by COVID a little more than most other countries. They are still, in fact, going through a considerable number of infections. Their problem, surprisingly for an educated country, is that there is a very large number of anti-vaccination people. So uh, they are going through their own suffering in that sense. Uh, but for a country that is in that kind of a crisis, their economy hasn't done too badly. It grew year on year, I think, by 4.7% as compared to last year. Point two, Ukraine people don't want a war. There is no doubt about that. Uh, Ukrainians, as you had pointed out earlier, are seen as part of Russians. You know, the Russians themselves believe... That they were all, you know, which is true in a historical sense, they were all part of the Eastern Slavic tribes. And the roots of the Russian state, uh, the Russian state that we know since the 10th century, is in Kiev. That is why it's called and Rus. So it's the Russia in Kiev, you know. And when Russia adopted Christianity in 998, that was done in Crimea. Uh, by uh, the, well, he was then a uh, duke or king or whatever, not the king, king, but basically the chieftain of one of the tribes, uh, Vladimir, in, coincidentally, also a Vladimir. Uh, and his uh, kingdom was in uh, uh, Kiev. It was centered mm. in Kiev. So these are the connections. So the Russians are, don't want a war with this. But this is overlaid with another factor. There is not an iota of difference amongst the Russians on NATO expansion. Mm. Now it is an interesting thing that the famous Gary Kasparov, who doesn't hesitate to criticize Russia on anything, absolutely, absolutely silent on this. Mikhail Khodorkovsky, who at first uh, instance will attack Russians, particularly Putin, yes. silent. The Russian intelligentsia, the Russian opposition, everyone is united on this. What Putin's decision yesterday means Mm -hmm. is that by controlling a breakaway territory, and please remember one other thing recognition is not the same as incorporation. They are not part of the Russian Federation. Crimea was incorporated but abkhazia south ossetia this new republics whatever they are donetsk and uh, lugansk are not incorporated they are only recognized but by recognizing them he ensures that as long as they are breakaway they will never be ukraine will never be a member of nato second the fact that even today despite his incursion or Uh, he's sending troops into to to protect uh, the eastern uh, territories. The Western alliance is very clear that not one boot will be on the ground. So the Ukrainians are getting the message that either we accept neutrality as our foreign policy for a few more years, or we continue to rave and rant about uh, NATO membership. Rave and rant is not the right way of saying it, but uh, you know, that's the the way the Russians see
0: it. You said at the start that they're not important for the West. They're not terribly important for Russia. But the fact is that the Ukrainians have been sort of chafing against the Russian hegemony. We had the Maidan protests in 2014. Uh, They've been really wanting to break free of Russia.
2: Our understanding is essentially based on what we read in Reuters. Because history did not start in 2014. Uh, but even if you go to uh, uh, February 2014, when all the Maidan and all takes place, yes. let's be very clear that uh, nobody can deny an interpretation that this was a U.S.-sponsored coup against a legitimate president. You had uh, Victoria Newland, who is even now a significant member of the uh, State Department, Distributing biscuits and sandwiches along with her ambassador, Jeff Pyatt, who has served in Delhi uh, in uh, the Maidan. Right. And then after an agreement was reached between the sitting president and the uh, protesters, which was countersigned by the foreign ministers of Sweden and Poland and Germany, I think, whatever. That agreement, when they come out, is torn by some fellows and thrown to the ground. You know, so it it is very clear that there were other forces working in this. Mm. So the Russians feel that they were the aggrieved party. Today, Ukraine is a failed state for a variety of reasons, not because of Russians. Russians haven't been there for six years. Mm-hmm. The West has run the place, but it is a corrupt economy. It is the only economy in Europe that hasn't been able to surpass its levels of 1991. Hmm. right i mean that is when it was the soviet union its hmm. gdp today is lower than that okay so and this has nothing to do with the russians hmm. so this is their own uh, uh, sort of you know their own hands if you want they have cooked this broth uh but uh, does that all, does all this justify what the russians are doing i'm not so certain i mean i can see the russian uh, side being convinced that they are on the rightiest path. But at the end of the day, there is a particular system of international relations that evolved since 1945. And some of the things they have done, even if the West set the first precedent, uh, some of the things they have done are uh, challenging those uh, rules.
0: Today's episode is produced by Gerard Singh, Arun George, and Sunay Marathi. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas, and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We are available on TOI+, Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, reach us at at timesinternet.in.